About 2,000 years ago in places like Bethlehem and Jerusalem and Nazareth, God's people had been waiting for a long time for the promised Messiah to arrive. It was so long that there would have been many who had given up hope altogether. They assumed that God had forgotten all about them or that God had simply given up on them after all. After generations and generations of rebellion and disobedience towards God, who could really blame God if he wanted nothing more to do with his people? But not everyone had given up hope. There were still some who were eagerly awaiting for the ancient promises to be fulfilled. Those who were waiting for the arrival of a king who would defeat the Romans once and for all and who would restore the kingdom of Israel to the glory days, back when David and Solomon had been kings. But as we've seen and as we've heard, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men talk to us, we've seen that this story contained many unexpected twists and turns. Even those who were waiting, even those who were expecting, they didn't expect the plan to unfold the way that it did. And for those of you who know the rest of the story, the what happens next as Jesus grows up, you'll know that there's a whole lot more unexpected stuff that is going to happen. And that the story didn't turn out the way that anyone expected. And I think for many people today, one of the unexpected, one of the surprising things about the Christmas story is that this is a, Christmas, a story that is still relevant to us 2,000 years later. It's a story that still transforms lives. And whoever you are, wherever you are, wherever you've been, whatever situation you are in, the birth of this baby 2,000 years ago is good news for all of us. And that includes every single one of us. As I said the other day, it's uh, a bit ironic that when we feel at our lowest and when we feel at our most desperate, we often feel the least, in, or we feel least like engaging with the Christmas story. And what we usually mean when we talk that way or we think that way is that we don't want to have to take part in all the trappings that have come to represent Christmas. That because of the media and because of the influence of advertising, we have an image of what Christmas is supposed to be like in our minds. And it's that image, that expectation, that we don't have the desire or the energy or the resources to engage with. But that's not the image of Christmas that was painted by Matthew and by Luke in their gospel stories. And so maybe for some of us, the most unexpected thing about the Christmas story is that it's got nothing to do with trees. It's got nothing to do with decorations or turkey or sprouts or crackers or jumpers or parties or even presents. At the heart, this is a story about a God who loves us. A God who loved us that he was prepared to give up everything in order to be born as a human baby. 
to be born into poverty and relative obscurity, to be born into an ethnic and religious group who were undergoing persecution and oppression. Within months of his birth, he had to flee as a refugee to Egypt until it was safe for him to return. And then he went on to live a life where he hardly owned anything. He travelled around, often relying on others for his many needs. He didn't have a place that he could call his own home. And he went on to heal the sick, to bring back the dead, to perform miracles and to teach with authority. And yet, at every turn, he, he was opposed by the religious leaders. They questioned everything he did, they questioned everything he said, and they rejected his claims that he was God. Of course, Christmas is only part of the story. It's part of the story that the gospel writers skip over with just a few paragraphs, and Mark and John don't even mention it at all, because this story is headed to Good Friday and Easter Sunday. This story is headed to the death of Jesus on a cross and to his resurrection three days later. And it was only after, the East, uh, after Easter that even Jesus' closest friends, his disciples, began to see how it all finally made sense, how all the unexpected pieces of the puzzle finally fell into place. And the Christmas story isn't a story about a God who comes to take us out of a world that is often messy and dark. It's a story who came to be with us in our world, in the mess and in the darkness. A God who therefore knows what it's like. A God who can identify with what we're feeling. A God who can bring light into the darkness and no matter how hard it might try, the darkness will never be able to put the light out. And because of Easter, this is a story about a God who not only promises to be with us, he also promises that it's not always going to be this way. Even when it looks as if everything is dead and buried, that's not the end of the story. And because of this, we can have hope this Christmas. And so whether or not we're feeling very Christmassy, perhaps especially if we're not feeling very Christmassy, then we can know God with us this Christmas. We can know peace this Christmas. We can know peace with God that's made possible through Jesus' death and his resurrection. We can know peace that comes from knowing that God is with us in our mess and in the darkness. We can have the peace that comes from knowing that God is with us, whatever we're going through. A peace that comes from knowing that God has dealt with my past, he's promised to be with me in the present, and he gives me a hope for the future a hope for the future that comes from knowing that Jesus is coming again. And many of the carols that we've sung today have talked about this hope and this promise 
that we have. So let's pray, and then we will sing one uh, final carol.